Welcome back to the What's Your One More podcast. I'm your host, Quentin Harris. As we start to get ready for that journey to 100, episode 97, we are almost there. So Federal Reserve just met, and I kind of want to do a breakdown of the meeting and the notes and the commentary from Powell. And I want to point out some things that I see right now that are of significant importance. First one is, obviously, there was no rate hike which means the Fed funds rate will maintain the level that it was at at five and a quarter. However, Powell did say, expect one more rate hike throughout the year, which means they're going to meet two more times. So there's an odds between either the next meeting or the final meeting, there'll be the quarter hike. Listen, no shock to any of us. I think everyone was anticipating at least one hike in the next three months. Me personally, I thought it was going to be on this particular meeting. They didn't do it. And I think a lot of that had to do with some of the core readings that came out from CPI and then PC earlier in the previous month. Now we'll get PCE's reading here on this Friday. Today's date is September 26th. So on the Friday of this month, we'll get this, uh, you know, I think it's the 20, was that 29th? On the 29th, we'll get that reading. And I think that's going to have a, a role in the next uh, FOMC meeting, if you may. But after every FO, FOMC meeting, there is a uh, commentary from Powell that takes place. And uh, one of the one of the things he talked about was, you know, we really shouldn't be putting a huge importance on the possible hike remaining this year, meaning that, hey, listen, it's a foregone conclusion they're going to do it another quarter and that it's really to the markets. It's not anticipated to be a huge shock. Uh, it's almost as if he's saying, hey, listen, go ahead and build it in. It's not that big a deal. However, one of the things that I do want to kind of dive into on his commentary was one of the questions, you know, is this podium, he doesn't come out so much with a 30-minute speech. He might lead with a five-minute intro and then open it up for questions. One of the questions that Powell took on was about deficit and deficit spending from the government. Now, you know, our central bank is made to be an independent central bank, meaning they are not dependent of the federal government. That has been the case since inception. Now, some might argue that that doesn't necessarily work that way, um, and, and some may even argue that the, the government definitely works in hand with the Federal Reserve. However, they're supposed to be independent. What I find interesting is one of the questions that he was asked was about national deficit. Now, if you recall, go back to June 25th. We did an episode right here on this podcast that was titled 32 going on 33. On June 25th, episode 69, we did, hey, we are at 32 trillion and we're going on 33 trillion. And we explained why that was of significant importance. If you get a chance, go back and listen to that before we go any further on this podcast. What you're going to find is this in three months. So today is September 26, three months. What we've had is the highest spend rate in American history in three months from the federal government and a deficit spending. I want to preface with the government. I don't care what side of the table you're on here. It's government spending. The highest in three months, we've gone over another trillion dollars. So now we're officially over 33 trillion in national debt. That's a big problem. It's so much of a big problem. Powell was posed the question by one of the reporters in the room, what do you think about the national debt? And he said, that's none of my concern. When, when in fact, it's absolutely your concern. If you're battling inflation by raising the short you know, term interest rates, the Fed funds rate, your whole premise is to stop spending. And what we're finding is that we've been battling this. We as, you know, I'm say the Federal Reserve has been battling this and as an economy, we've been feeling it, but now it's made its way down to the end consumer, such as you and I. We're now feeling the impacts of this. However, the federal government continues to spend money at a rapid deficit, thus adding to the inflation problem. You know, in a previous podcast, I said, what's happening is the federal government is undermining the Federal Reserve's policy right now. They're undermining every attempt they have to stop inflation. And there is a probable case and an argument to be made that inflation is going to go back up because of the amount of spending that's being done by the federal government. And 
I think that argument's growing more traction now than ever before. I do think this is a problem. And I do think this is something that's going to show up probably in the next six, seven, eight months that we're going to see inflation go back up. Because you got to remember inflation is calculated. We talked about over a 12 month cycle and it's over an average. So um, I think it's interesting because, you know, I'm going to look at my notes here. Pal said, you know, it's, it's none of our concern. But in fact, the whole, the whole point of being independent is to have the ability to A, have an opinion, and B, critique. And if you're independent of the federal government, you should be able to say, yeah, yeah, the deficit is a problem. And I urge Congress to quit spending this money at a deficit because we're not going to be able to tackle the inflation problem if you don't. Not, um, you know, it's really none of my concern. That's not the right commentary. It is absolutely your concern because if you go back to what Volcker did in the 80s, and you see how critical he was of Congress during the 80s and of the government and urged them to stop spending money at the deficit rate in which they were spending. He also said inflation will not get better and neither neither will our policy show improvements if you continue to spend at these rates. But yet right now, our independent central banking system is not doing that. Now, I don't think it requires Powell to go to Congress and say, hey, quit spending money. I'm quite sure other people are doing that at some sort of ranks and, and filings there of in Congress and also, you know, in the in the in cabinet members, et cetera. But the reality is to ignore it in the public eye shows the amount of how can I say it? Shows the amount of uh, lack of 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 just like, yeah, whatever. We're not independent because what you're showing is you look like you're dependent. You look like the central bank is dependent of the government and is working with the government. And the other thing that the central bank is made not to do is they're not there to prop up the stock market. But when you see Powell signal policies and what they're going to do well in advance, what he's doing is allowing the stock market to brace for what they're trying to create to be a soft landing. But in turn, he's continued to send alerts and send signals to them of, hey, this is what's coming. Yo, thank you so much for choosing us today. We're definitely not done with our podcast, but we are going to take a really short sponsor break and then we'll get right back to the show. I've been in the lending business for 20 years. I've seen many different lenders. During those 20 years, I recognized there's a difference between being an originator and an advisor. And the team at Bank of England is full of advisors. They take their time to understand your needs. They take the time to structure a mortgage for you and your family. And I cannot recommend them enough. If you're in the market to purchase a home, maybe it's a second home, maybe it's an investment property, or you're looking to refinance your current property that you live in, take a minute to work with the advisors at Bank of England Mortgage. They're a nationwide lender, and you can find your local branch at boemortgage.com. W-W- www.boemortgage.com because it's more than loans, it's people. Thanks so much for letting us give a shout out to our sponsor. All right, now back to the podcast. Think about this in the past. You know, prior to this inflationary term that we're in and all of the uh, the monetary policies that we're dealing with, the Federal Reserve usually used to have to get a decoder out to understand what they were going to signal and, and and almost like a smoke signal to figure out what they're doing. Now they're actually showing their hands before they do it. Why? Because they don't want the stock market to have any issues. They don't want the equity market to collapse. They don't want any type of financial flaw or financial collapse here in America. And I can understand and appreciate that. But there's also an argument that needs to be made that 
something needs to break because if something doesn't break, then we're not going to have the correction that we need. By no means do I want anyone financially to suffer or get hurt, but that that always seems to be the case. That's how these things get fixed. More importantly, if the federal government doesn't stop spending at the deficit rate, this is all for nothing. We are kicking the can down the road to just re-experience what we've already been experiencing over the course of the last 12 to 15 months. Interestingly enough, when you go through some of the things that, um, you know, inflation, if you may, during this time, I'm going to pull up a graph here if you want to take a look at it. It's going to be on our YouTube channel. Um, you can go to it at what's your one more subscribe. You'll find that in there. But I'm pulling up a graph that I want to kind of talk about briefly here that I thought was interesting because it shows the consumer expenditures as, as, as a share of income over the years. And this is from 1901 to current pace. Now, obviously, back in the 1900s, people were spending more money on food and housing than they were other items because some of these items didn't exist. And it was also a bigger portion of what the income they was they brought in and income wages have gone up, et cetera. But what we're finding is that food is actually becoming less of people's monthly expenditure, housing is number one, and now transportation is a clear number two. And if you listen back to our last podcast, we talked about the gas and talked about fuel and talked about the rise in the most recent uh, CPE readings on that and what's going on there. And you're starting to see gas and oil, excuse me, you're starting to see gas prices go up at the pump and oil go up in the stock market because of some of the things that we talked about in the last show, one of them being the strategic oil reserve, the other one being is the fact that the prices can't be subsidized any longer by the federal government. But it does bode the argument of a couple things. Number one, housing is going up. We've talked about why housing continues to go up. Rates are not helping that, but also inventory crisis is not helping that as well. And there's a, tr- there's a ton of demand still on the table for the housing. Transportation is going up because of fuel, but not just because of fuel. It's going up because airlines now are charging more per ticket. It's going up now because when you have you know a delivery service such as FedEx, UPS, they have to pay a higher price of cost of fuel. They pass that down to the consumer. Um, it, the list goes on and on and on trains, it doesn't matter how you do it, It, cars, et cetera. It's all going up, all driven by that. But food has come down in comparison to, but the major drop-off has been in entertainment and apparel. And that's the sign, that's the early signs of when leisure and hospitality start to come down, that's your early signs of a potential recession warning. That combined with the 210 treasury curve, which has been inverted for quite some time now, you're starting to see more and more signs of that come out. Interestingly enough, we'll talk about the housing reports later on in another episode, but housing is continuing to go up in this market when in fact rates are peaking at some of the highest we've seen since 2000. You know, when you start to see that and you start to see the demand, you start questioning like, okay, um, if housing doesn't come back down and it maintains the level that it's currently at now, what's going to happen to that home price when these rates do drop at whatever time that takes place? There's going to be another rise in the home prices during that time. And I think that bodes the argument of if you're sitting on the sidelines and you're continuing to worry about real estate, you know, you may want to derive a strategy of some sort of how to get in the home now to offset those future prices prices as they go to ha- as they go to rise as rates come down. But getting back to this, one of the things that I t- uh, that I noticed also in this I guess you could talk about this um uh, Powell commentary was that he always moves the markets when he's up there, but he talked about how we finally have real interest rates and not negative interest rates. And what he means is when the interest rate, the short-term Fed funds rate is higher than the inflation rate. So he's finally saying, listen, it's nice that we have real interest rates, not negative interest rates. Something to keep in mind there is that it may only be a temporary real interest rate. And there are some 
proponents that don't believe the current inflationary measure is accurate and that those real interest rates may actually be negative interest rates. And then there's some that say, hey, listen, we're, we're lower on inflation than we're actually showing. So the gap may be way higher than what it needs to be and that the Federal Reserve has overcorrected. I've heard both sides of the table on this. I tend to lean towards the fact that, you know, I agree with the Federal Reserve has overcorrected more than what's needed to be done here and that we're actually going to see repercussions of that, that overcorrection uh, over the course of the next three to six months to a year before the Federal Reserve hits the pause. I will say this, this is the second time they've paused. The first time they did, I said it was the pause heard around the world. This one, I think, is the final pause because what it echoed was this, and Powell said in his commentary, hey, we've got one more rate hike. There's no reason to be alarmed by that. And, uh, you know, we feel pretty good that we're tackling inflation. We're seeing some of the metrics come down. I think what we heard the Federal Reserve Chairman just say is that they're done raising rates. At the at once that next one is done, they are done. Yeah, they're gonna evaluate. But I think what you're gonna see is the Federal Reserve start to peel back and and start lowering that interest rate as well. And there is an argument and there's a historical trend to show that before that happens, mortgage rates will start to come down. Before they actually reduce that interest rate, mortgage rates will start to come down. And as they reduce that, that's the cliff that we've been talking about for some time. Has our timeline been off? Yes, it's absolutely been off. There's been numerous things from SVB to uh, First Republic. I can go on about collapses there that happened in March we weren't expecting. And then as well as the budget deficit that delayed a lot of things from happening that took place over a 45, 60 day that caused you know, the rates to be delayed in this in this action from the Federal Reserve to take place. But I think what we just heard was this is the final raise that we're going to do. There's no reason to be alarmed by it. We're telling you what we're going to do. And then we move into them reducing the Fed funds rate. And when you take a look at the dot map, that insinuates that as well. And we're going to do a whole episode on the dot map to kind of explain what that means and, and why the market reacted to it and, and why maybe they put too much emphasis on it. So you know, if you like what you're hearing here, five-star review this podcast, please share it from Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, and then check us out on our socials at What's Your One More with the Number One. That's at What's Your One More with the Number One. And also check out our YouTube channel for these graphs that I keep referring to. Guys, have a great one. We'll be back on the next episode for What's Your One More. I got one more shot, I'm gonna make it. One more chance, I'm gonna take it. I meant it when I said it, now it's time for me to do it. I got one life to live, so I put all into it, yeah.